people in the congregation who never hear their pastor share a struggle and they don't wonder if they struggle. They know they struggle because mm-hmm. they know they're human beings and they're sinners. Mm-hmm. And what they have a desire, I think, and I definitely have this desire myself is why don't you share something sometime mm-hmm. to humanize yourself to mm-hmm. us? Because I think of all the things that we read, you read is like four or five. Of yeah. them. It's, it's kind of together and they're kind of separate. And one mm-hmm. of them is humanizing. The congregation wants pastors to humanize themselves. In other words, like don't just be this figure on the stage that no matter how you dress, no matter how you look, no matter how good or or not good the production Mm -hmm. is, they want you not to create this this rift or this barrier between you and them. Okay. Because I think that the congregation creates it and I think the the pastor creates it. And if both create it, it becomes this huge barrier. Mm -hmm. What's up, y'all? Good to see you this morning. Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Fake. My name is Louis Dooley. This is my brother, Sam Key. What's up, brother? What we got on tap for today? Good morning. We have part three. Three? Part three of our congregational survey. Like like two is due, right? Is it what is French? three? True? True. <laughs> trace? That's right. <laughs> is it true? Trace. I know a Trace. He's, he's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he is pretty nice. We're going to shout out to Trey if you watch or listen. Yeah, we're at part three of our congregational survey. Over the mm. last couple episodes, we sent out a survey to congregation members from not just our congregation, but from like all over the U.S., and have gotten responses in uh, answering the question, um, things that congregation members wish their pastor knew. And I didn't know how this was going to you know, unfold, whether people would be you know, like honest from like uh, just unburdening themselves, mm-hmm. maybe things that they've done that they want to confess, yeah. or maybe some ways of encouraging their pastors, like I think you're the greatest or whatever. Or, hey, I think you could do this or that better. So it could have gone a whole bunch of different ways, but but it went the ways that we've been talking about. Yeah. And uh, we're in part three, and I just want to pick up where we left and off. And before you do, I've, yeah. been, I've always wanted to do this because somewhere inside of me is like a Bob Barker or Pat Sajak <laughs> that wants to jump out. Survey says. <laughs> Survey says. Uh that okay, here's what this person, person oh, man, said. This just is so blew, anticlimactic. Should have just read it. That when programs and the church, uh, church branding take precedence over people and the truth, it can be devastating. Real lives and real people are at stake. You cannot shepherd through programs alone. Deferring or abdicating your God-given responsibility to counselors, often secular, is not shepherding. Man. So this person seems to want to communicate that um, there's real people with uh, real issues going on and and that they sense that at times a pastor can be so into his program or his strategy that he kind of misses the He sees the forest maybe, but he doesn't see the trees. He yeah. doesn't see the individuals who are in need and um, pausing long enough to to take care of those and, and putting whatever his agenda is on hold for the sake of those people. Yeah, man, this is, this is a deep one right here. And I can definitely relate because I've been um, at a few churches before where I feel like it's almost like a, making a cake. 
you know, maybe not from, I don't know if it's scratch, but you get like a Duncan Hines or Betty Crocker. Yeah. It's like you need the oil, you need the eggs, and maybe a third ingredient, right? And then you mm-hmm. mix that up and you put it in a pan that's greased in the oven at a temperature for a time, and boom, you got a cake. Yeah. And it's like some churches are kind of like that. You know, it's like we got this program. Once you graduate that, you get to this one, then to that one, then to that one. And then you're not only a member, which carries a whole lot of stuff mm-hmm. in it, responsibility mm-hmm. that is for us. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like now that we've got you done, mm-hmm. now it's the next wave of people to be done. Mm-hmm. And like that's our model. Let's keep yeah, baking yeah. cakes. Let's keep yeah. bringing the people in. The same cake. The sa- yeah, baking the same yeah. cake, you know. And yeah. and I feel like, you know, I'm not a cake, although I like cake. <laughs> um, German chocolate, lemon cake, uh coconut cake pineapple cake and so um i just feel like in my opinion when i read this i thought elders you know Mm -hmm. a lot of these submissions we had to me i feel like or either people's lack of understanding of elders roles Mm -hmm. because i think that no matter how large or small your congregation is that the flock can be shepherded by more than just that one person so a lot of people's mindset is it's the guy on the stage it's his job to meet with me and everybody else and that's just a false reality from the congregant but then from the church leadership standpoint I feel that and it's just my opinion that Mm -hmm. when a church is started you need to start with elders Mm -hmm. you need to put people in place who are shepherds Mm -hmm. like by calling by Mm -hmm. heart or deacons deacons yeah people that are called by God Mm -hmm. to help co-shepherd the flock Um, and when you don't have that then you end up with a cake baking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, business called the church Mm -hmm. so that's my two cents that's great and um, um, and the and the larger a church gets the more of the cake baking business that that it can become because the larger an organization gets I mean the more it has to be tight together Mm -hmm. and only doing certain things and unless you have the opportunity to worry about other things yeah. going on in individuals mm. unless they fit into your into your mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I and I know there's a, a mega church <clears throat> not far from us that um, I learned something that they do that I thought was pretty cool. Their church very large, very big sanctuary, and they broke it up into sections. Mm-hmm. And then they actually had people who they trained. Who okay. now I don't know if they were called or gifted in the area, but they definitely mm-hmm. trained people. To like shepherd that mm-hmm. section. The section would be like a hundred people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe a little smaller, maybe yeah. a lot bigger. Yeah. You know, so it was like because the the senior leadership, if you know you call it that, they couldn't quite possibly yeah. do that for thousands yeah. of people, but they had other shepherds to yeah. co-labor in that with them. And I thought if you're going to want to grow big instead of growing grow big, meaning have a gigantic church in lieu of growing out, mm-hmm. meaning plant other smaller congregations mm-hmm. then that's the only way you can really manage yeah. it by that's doing the, that the moses principle right uh when moses was overwhelmed when all the people were bringing these uh cases and disputes and whatever to him his father-in-law said hey <laughs> break it up yeah uh, train up other guys under you and so forth but so i don't want to I, I don't want all this discussion to like discount what this person is saying and i do want the pastors involved to hear that uh, to hear that people really do crave some kind of personal touch rather than a program and yeah. and if you do use that that big that big model that you said or the Moses model you better make sure that the 
the deacons or elders or shepherds under you are being very personal with those people rather than just shoving them into the yeah. cake the cake bowl, yeah. right? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So next one, what do we got next here? Many would many would step in to help or minister to others if they knew the of the opportunities or were simply asked. This is so this is if this isn't so this gotta be the same person. I'm not sure. But if it isn't, isn't that awesome how that lined up? Because this one plays right into the okay. last one, right? Okay. It seems like this person wants to be a person to help yeah. shepherd the flock, right? Oh, Many will step go. in yeah. to help yeah. or minister to others if they yeah. knew the opportunities were there and they just yeah. asked. Yeah. So this person seems to have a heart. And I, I love this. Whoever you are, if you watch or listen to this, man, this is this is this may be my favorite one. I mean, it's the, it's pretty short, but mm-hmm. it's it's it speaks to my heart because I'm a person that needs somebody to help me when I'm in a struggle, and I'm also a person that I'm I'm willing to be utilized or used mm-hmm. to help others that are in struggles that I may be equipped to help. And it's like I feel like I'm um, back. Welcome back, Cotter. You remember that show? Hey, no. Mister Cartier. Okay, you had this dude <laughs> named Horseshack. And when the teacher asks, he'd be like, ooh, 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 ooh. He'd be like this. And Mr. Carter just be kind of like, you know, dude had an afro with a big, thick mustache. It's a cool, you got to look a look episode up on YouTube. It's, it's hilarious, man. But that's what I kind of feel like a lot of times. And I think that's maybe what this individual may feel like. They're this person that kind of has their hand mm. up, so to speak. And they just keep getting overlooked. Mm. You know, they're like, hey, I'm here to serve. Hey, I want to help. Yeah. You know, and it's like. Yeah. They're not being asked to yeah. help. Like we got, we got our programs, yeah. which speaks to the one we just talked about. We got our our pathway to help, yeah. and we got our people in place. And you know what? Sorry, you you ain't one of them. Yeah. One of the one of the one of the best and most effective things you can do as a pastor is to ask people to help you. Like I've been there, done that. I've I've been in part time positions before where I just didn't have the time to do everything that I needed, and, and kind of out of desperation discovered this that if I if I'm g- going to be able to get all this done, then I'm going to need to find volunteers to do it, yeah. and then I begin to find them, to train them, equip them, and so forth, and and then the ministry actually becomes so much better than if I were just to do it by myself. Yeah. So being at your limits for a pastor is can be a very good thing, especially when you don't rely on yourself, especially when you go find those people with their hands raised. Yeah. Or even if their hand isn't raised, raised, go find them anyways. Well, go, here, go challenge people. Yeah, with. that's a good point. And maybe this person doesn't have their hand raised because the church extends an invite to help in these other areas yeah and it's like that's not my thing yeah yeah and this you know other be, part with, of the be with the kids yeah shake people's hands yeah, yeah. like the common things yeah, right is helping good. with the kids ministry is greeting is maybe help setting up something yeah. but what if you're gifted in other areas yeah. of like um counseling or something like that yeah. you don't have an opportunity to yeah. raise your hand or for that. prison ministry yeah yeah exactly yeah. so i mean to to broaden the things that you mm-hmm. mentioned you know be said hey if you have a heart for counseling mm-hmm. if you are a counselor if you have gone through a lot in life and the lord has helped you walk mm-hmm. through and you want to be available to help someone else walk mm-hmm. through like divorce like mm-hmm. maybe losing a child mm-hmm. maybe losing a spouse right these are things that happen yeah. in congregations and the, a lot of times maybe the leadership of a church doesn't extend that because they feel they're the only ones qualified and yeah. equipped to do it. Yeah. And if they think that, 
That's straight bogus right yeah. there. Now, that yeah. don't mean they're not equipped. Doesn't mean they're not trained. But they're not the only but ones. But they're not the only yeah. ones. And that you don't have to go to seminary Bible college to mm-hmm. be able to go through a journey mm-hmm. in life. And the Lord has walked you mm-hmm. through it. And maybe with one of those pastors or another pastor. And maybe that that in itself maybe yeah. has equipped you to be able yeah. to walk with someone else in that same yeah. um, stage of life. And ministry doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> It doesn't even have to be close to being perfect. Well, it's not going to be because we whack. We whack <laughs> I know, but I think as, as as pastors, church leaders, they just really feel that they have to nail it, get it right, because everything's depending on it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and there's this pressure, which we'll talk about in the pastor episodes, but it doesn't have to be perfect. No, it that's good. You can that's go good. get, you know, Joe Schmo, who has an inkling of a certain gift, and put him in there and um, yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. So right. next one says many do not get involved in helping because they feel ill equipped. Just off the top of my head. So this this is probably the same person. Um yeah. but that's another good one. Like here I am sitting in the congregation. I want to help, but I don't know I don't know what my gifts are. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I can help. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, they got assessments online and yeah. different tests you can take to help you maybe figure that stuff out. Yeah. Uh, but I remember years ago in prison, my mentor, Randy Gruber, who still is mm-hmm. my mentor after, you know, that was 1994 when mm-hmm. we met. Um, he was he was teaching a Bible study. And he was talking about spiritual gifts. And he said, there's three things. And I'm probably going to mess this up because I always forget one. But three things you can kind of think about or ask yourself to help you discover what your spiritual gift or gifts may be. One is something you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. One is something that blesses others when you do it. Mm-hmm. And it's something that blesses you like it. Yeah. Um, you know, it blesses you when you do it. And I thought, man, you know, like you enjoy doing it. It blesses you and it blesses or or no, not, it not blesses you. It blesses others. And it's something that other people tell you that you're good at, that they like when you do it. They're blessed by it. They're blessed by it. Yeah. And so they're kind of similar, but, and I was like, wow, I mean, that, that was helpful for me at the time. It is. So that's what I would say for the individual. If you don't know what your gifts are and not necessarily the person that wrote this, but anybody listening, like, Maybe ask yourself or think through some of those things about yourself. And then I would say go to one of the leaders at the church and say, hey, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is something that the Lord has gifted me in. Is there a place that you can find for me? And this is new for me. Can you help me figure out how to develop Mm -hmm. this? Because this is kind of to me what this Mm -hmm. is talking about, like equipping is equipping the church for ministry. That's what we're supposed to do. Yep, Exactly. The church is supposed to do. I remember uh, this one time I had I had a friend uh, named Tim. He came and uh, played a song at our church. Like he's a musician, and it was he he was young at the time. It was fantastic. And uh, there was another uh, kid in the congregation who saw Tim do this. And afterwards, his name is Phil. Phil came up to me and he said, "And Phil's from he's from Ghana." Mm. Okay, so. Uh, he said to me and like his, his English was good, but you know, wasn't mm-hmm. exactly clear, but he said, he said, I can do that. I was like, you can do that. He's like, well, no, I want to do that. Uh. I'm like, oh, you, you play the guitar. He's like, no. And I said, you sing. He said, no. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, 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 uh, do you speak English very well? Even? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but, but, but he says, no, I'm, I want to do that. Would I kid you not, he went home like that week, learned how to play the guitar, found his singing voice, and within weeks 
Within weeks, he was playing and singing and leading worship. Dang! And within months, he was actually up on that church stage uh, leading worship as well, and well as well. And not like, uh, mm. wow, not poorly either, yeah, yeah. but like incredible. Wow. Incredible. I'd never seen anything like that. Wow, that's dope. But, uh, but, mm-hmm. it, but it's a risk that as a pastor you have to take the saying, okay, and if they, you put the work in, you know. and Yeah, yeah. and I think, I think to add to that, that's a great story, is that in cases that are probably not like that, because that's kind that of was been, supernatural. That's a to supernatural me. case. Yeah. In most yeah. cases, that person is going to need some help. Mm. And so, as a leader in the church, if someone like this guy, would you say his name was Phil? Phil yeah. If a Phil comes to a pastor in the church, if a Phil comes to you, and 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 you're like, okay, let's help this guy figure out his gift and develop them. Who in the church, mm-hmm. like, can help walk with him? Yeah, yeah, out. yeah. I didn't have to do you that. You didn't have to do that. Because I don't right? do that. Yeah, yeah and yeah. but that's a supernatural thing yeah, that took place. Yeah. But most of the feels in our life are yeah. not gonna that's not gonna happen yeah, yeah. that quickly. And probably they're not gonna be able to figure out how to do it mm-hmm. themselves. You know, you can look at a video or figure out how to play a guitar mm-hmm. and maybe even learn how to sing that way. But if it's some other kind of thing <clears throat> that you just can't see online, mm-hmm. You might need somebody there yeah. with you, like holding your hand, walking you through, yeah. figuring that out. So, yeah. and that's what I think this person is getting yeah. at. Like, we need, we want to do something more than shake a hand or, or sing a lullaby or read a story mm-hmm. to a little kid. That's great and they need it, but I may have more capacity than that and I need to be able to do that. Yeah. Let's see what we got mm-hmm. next here. Uh, many people do not get involved. Oh. We read that one. Okay, so wish pastors. Okay, this is a common one we've kind of addressed before um, and will continue to address probably. Uh, But it says, wish more pastors would be more candid and challenging individually. Actually, I I didn't quite know what they meant by that. It seemed like it's two things. So wish more pastors would be more candid and challenging individually. When you're talking with us one-on-one, it's okay to share struggles. I realize this is a fine line with many, and it's okay to meet us where we are at while helping us to move forward. I kind of feel like maybe Miss Moore Passes would be more candid and challenged individually. Because like it seemed like they're wanting the pastors to be more transparent about themselves, uh-huh. but it also seems like they want the pastors to challenge, to challenge the congregation. The, yeah. It seems like both things, but I don't think it's both. I think it's challenge the congregants. Mm-hmm. So we just gonna deal with the best we, way we can. So yeah. yeah, depending on what church you go to, some you well, go to and it got fireballs shooting at you. Well, and I read it as <laughs> <laughs> the pastor would challenge me as an individual. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah. what a fireball yeah, is flying yeah. at you. You yeah. know, because you preach. But even, but even like one on one, like finding me and oh, um, oh okay. and knowing me enough to challenge me, say, hey Sam, I think you need to be challenged in these areas i mean that that could yeah, be it that could the, be it as well the second line though says when you're talking with us one-on-one it's, it's okay, okay to, to share struggles, struggles. Yeah. Is, is it mean it can't mean okay for us to share struggles now it's back to the past that's what i'm saying struggles. now yeah. i seem like yeah. it's like they can yeah. share their struggles with us yeah which is the thing you yeah. know and it's, and it's not i think there needs to be wisdom used by pastors that mm-hmm. you don't just go putting your stuff out there for everybody mm-hmm. but it's okay for you to do it yeah. and so for us in the congregation we can't take, I do this so much, man. Mm-hmm. And, and I thank God for my wife and I thank God for the Holy Spirit because I'll get agitated about something and I'll start assuming something to be true. And I really have no idea. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, if we use this for an example, mm-hmm. if I said this, man, pastors, man, you can be more transparent and, and, and put some of your junk out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
Well, shoot, how how I know they not? Mm-hmm. The only the only one way I know they're not if I don't miss a Sunday and they don't do it from a stage, which mm-hmm. I would say, depending on what it is, they shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But if they do have some other people that they're confiding in that's holding them accountable, mm-hmm. just because I'm not one don't mean it ain't happening. Yeah. So I shouldn't yeah, assume yeah. that it's yeah. not right. Let's. Let, <laughs> I was gonna save this kind of for the end as like a, a wrap up even, but let's just tackle it now. Like, because this, and even in the next one, it's coming up again and again. Like, I wish my pastor knew it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, yeah. I wish my pastor knew that he is human and doesn't have to be all things to all people. You know, so I wish my pastor could knew it's better to be real, transparent and vulnerable. So over and over, like this theme is coming up predominantly in all of these things. Mm-hmm. I wish my pastor is more vulnerable, more transparent, more human. So, as I was trying to summarize, like, why is that? Like, why in this day and age, like, if you do the same survey at another time and another place, would that be the main things people would be saying about their pastors? Yeah. Like, what is it about that today? And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so what are the possible, what are the possible reasons? So one could be, and I don't think this is the case, but one could be that uh, these congregation members are just, looking for a reason to be sinful and lazy themselves. <laughs> so if they see their pastor oh, admitting to struggling with sin and that, then that'll justify my sin. I don't think that's it. But that's, yeah. that's one possible way. That. Another reason that I thought of was uh, maybe if they see the pastor admitting his faults, that they would feel superior as a congregation. So they're just doing it so they feel... Uh, better about themselves uh, mm. than him. Like I'm so much better because I don't struggle with that. I don't think that's it either. That's okay. It either. So then that brought me to um, a third kind of uh, idea, like why this emphasis on uh, vulnerability, um, and that's that today, these days, the congregation is like picking up on something that um, they're they're intuiting something about their pastors. That isn't happening. That might be going on. That the that pastors uh, might not be sharing everything candidly. Okay, so here's here's what I mean. So in a relationship with someone, okay, um, when you have a you have a friend or a spouse, like if people know what this is like, like when you're around them, you sense that something is wrong, right? And you say, hey, uh, you know, something bothering you, and they and they say, oh no, everything's fine. Now immediately <laughs> you're like. Wait a minute. I could either take their word for it, you know, maybe you should just take their word for it. Okay, they're fine. Nothing's wrong. But then by them just maybe there is something really wrong and by them just saying no it's fine, they're like um they're um negating your sensing and your intuition. So so then I'm left as a person saying thinking to myself, well, they said everything's fine. Wow, something's wrong with me. My intuiting senses are off because I sure did pick up something. You know, what's wrong with me? You know, it's kind of like this meat thermometer that, that we have that I dropped and the battery fell out and I put the battery back in and I don't I don't know if it's reading the right mm. anymore. And so I'm cooking this chicken, you know, and mm. it's been like almost 30 minutes and the thing's not reading 165 and I'm oh, like yeah. I'm like it's got to be done. Or maybe my thermometer's broke. Like, I don't know. Like, that's not good. So I'm just wondering in this day and age that if there are some pastors that you're around that you kind of sense that there's something else going on. 
like they're not being transparent, but and then they're not being transparent and you're just sensing there's a miss. Okay. Now there's some pastors <laughs> that I'm around that I don't get that feeling from. I just don't. There's there's some pastors that I know that like I don't want him to share anymore. Like I feel he's sharing everything he can share. What sharing? What do you mean by sharing? He just it just feels like You mean sharing the word or sharing no, no, the struggle? Struggles. Okay, and I'm just making being, sure we yeah, stay yeah, no, no, no. Okay. Being honest and transparent. Okay, okay. Like when he's talking like there's n- nothing inside me that says, oh, man, I wish that guy would just open up more about his struggles and be real. Yeah. B- because I sense that he is, I guess. Now, there's other pastors where I get that question in my head. And I'm wondering if that's, if that's an actual thing. Well, why, why, like why the is congregation it? is intuiting that, that he's holding something back that's important. But why does it have to be an intuitive thing or a sensing thing? Can it be a facts-based thing? Like if you got a pastor that never shares a struggle from the stage, that's a fact. That, right? that is hiding something, right? Well, because it, don't, it are... don't have to be hiding. Like, first of all, I mean, I, I'm going to let you finish because I got a lot of thoughts. No, no, so, no, I'm done. Well, I mean, I, I think that it doesn't have to be hiding, mm-hmm. right? Like if I don't share my struggles from the stage, it might not. It's, I don't think you have to say he's hiding something. Yeah. And from the congregations understanding if they have any sense of spiritual maturity, they know that we're humans. They know that we sin and they know that we struggle. Mm-hmm. So now you have people in the congregation who never hear their pastor share a struggle and they don't wonder if they struggle. They know they struggle because mm-hmm. they know they're human beings and they're sinners. Mm-hmm. And what they have a desire, I think, and I definitely have this desire myself is why don't you share something sometime mm-hmm. to humanize yourself to mm-hmm. us? Because I think of all the things that we read, you read is like four or five of yeah. them. It's, it's kind of together and they're kind of separate. And one mm. of them is humanizing. The congregation wants pastors to humanize themselves. In other words, like don't just be this figure on the stage that no matter how you dress, no matter how you look, no matter how good or, or not good the production mm. is, they want you not to create this this rift or this barrier between you and them. Okay. Because I think that the congregation creates it. And I think the, yeah. the pastor creates it. And if both created, it, it becomes this huge barrier. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that the people in the congregation, they create a barrier because they feel like these people really are mm-hmm. somebody, you know, and they look up to them. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 I guess it's okay to look up to someone, but you shouldn't yeah. be deifying someone, no. you know, because it's a, a, a sinning, struggling with sin, human being mm-hmm. that's on stage, just like you sitting in the congregation. Mm-hmm. And I think that pastors, when they aren't um, willing to, not because they're hiding, Mm -hmm. but maybe they feel like, I don't know what they would feel like. I'm not that type of guy. If I'm on stage talking, I'm going to put my junk out there and I'm going to try to be wise on how much and exactly what Mm -hmm. I put out there. But I do have other people that I put all of it out Mm -hmm. there with. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I'm going to put some stuff out there because I want the congregation to know that, look, man, I ain't no different than you. Mm-hmm. That's what I always want them to be thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I think that's a correct statement that no mm-hmm. matter how long you've been in ministry, what your role in ministry is, that you ain't no different than nobody else. Mm-hmm. You may be more spiritually mature. You may have more knowledge of the Bible. And that makes a difference, mm-hmm. but that don't make you better than anybody. So is that the, the why then to answer like the question why is it that so many people are wanting more of that transparency and I, vulnerability? I, I Why think it's is a that, reason. You know? I don't know if it's the reason, meaning it's the only one, but I definitely feel like yeah. it's a reason. And it could, if if it is an only one, 
I, my vote would be that's it. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that, you know, so the bigger the church gets, the less intimacy it has. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if, if you're a pastor and you're preaching relationship with Jesus, relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus, you also need to be preaching relationship within the body mm-hmm. and include yourself in that. And if it be and, and listen, I'm 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 getting to be almost to the point in my own personal life with church. You know, you hear about house churches and I've never been a part of one of those. Now I know that I ever will. Not that I don't believe mm-hmm. in it, but I think that this walk with Christ and having salvation it's not as easy as, as, as it sounds, right? It's not as easy as Romans 10, 9. Mm-hmm. If you confess your mouth mm-hmm. to the Lord Jesus and believe, believe God raised from dead, you know, God raised from dead, you will be saved. Yeah. Like, I believe that's true. I mean, that's scripture. So, mm-hmm. so don't get me wrong. I believe in that. But in terms of like a person really like believing and acknowledging and, and struggling with living their life accordingly, mm-hmm. I think that's rarer than what we think. Mm-hmm. And the long baptismal lines and the lack of discipleship, I think what I heard somebody say a few years ago is true. There's going to be people that we thought were going to be in heaven mm-hmm. that's not going to be there. But there's going to be people that we thought ain't going to be mm-hmm. there that are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, I feel like more intimacy in the body alleviates many of these issues that are taking place. Mm-hmm. And if the leadership of the church that God has called them to be if they're not equipping other leaders and other people in the church to co-shepherd, to be um, the priesthood of all believers in a sense mm-hmm. that I believe is true and biblical, mm-hmm. that we can all in some form or fashion based on our maturity level, be able to be shepherding one another, that that needs to be encouraged and people need to be equipped to be able to do that within the body. And then at some point, if the body is getting too big for that, like what did the apostle Paul do? He didn't build one big church and have the mm-hmm. region of Galatia and Ephesus and Colossae mm-hmm. and Philippi all come to one big church. Mm-hmm. Right. He went around these different regions. Now, I'm, I'm not a um, I can't think of the word for it. I don't know all how the distance is between all mm-hmm. those areas. So in the depth, they didn't have cars back then or planes. Mm-hmm. But it's like he went around planting churches. Right. He went mm-hmm. to where there were needs, which everybody had a need for the gospel. Just like today, mm-hmm. more people in our country have a need for the gospel. I would argue more now than ever. Yeah. My argument since, you know, the first people that weren't natives got mm-hmm. here, the gospel's needed more now in the U.S. than it mm-hmm. ever has yeah. based on what our government and stuff mm-hmm. looks like right now. Mm-hmm. And so that means, like, do we need more churches? I don't know. We need the churches that mm-hmm. exist to be gospel oriented, mm-hmm. gospel preaching, teaching and disciple making churches. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we can become that. What's going to happen is people are going to come in the front door and they're going to leave out the back door. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of churches do. They want mm-hmm. that back door shut. They want to get you in. They want to program you, run you through the system, bake the cake. <laughs> and now you're in. They don't want you leaving out mm-hmm. the back door. I'm like this. Don't let the door knob hit you with a good Lord split you. <laughs> you know, if you come in feeling condemnation yeah. because of your sin against a mm-hmm. holy and righteous God and you want to hit the mm-hmm. door, man, hit the door, Jack. Mm-hmm. Hit the door. I mean, mm-hmm. I want you to be in the flock. Yeah. But if you, God is a mean guy. I'm, I'm reading the R.C. Sproul book called Saved from What? Mm-hmm. And there's an awesome phrase in there that talks about we aren't sinners just because we sin. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful statement. Yeah, it is. We're not sinners just because we mm-hmm. sin. Yeah. And so we're all, with that being said, we're all sinners and we all need a savior. Yeah. And if you come to a church 
and they're preaching the gospel. Guess what? The gospel means good news, but mm-hmm. you can't have good news without what? Bad news. Yeah, yeah. And the bad news is you're a sinner mm-hmm. and you're going to hell. And the good news is for everyone, even the pastor. Yes. What also uh, I thought about this week was in the Old Testament and Levitical laws, when priests went to make a sacrifice for the people, who did they actually make the sacrifice for first? Mm. Themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always... When I've always read that, I, I, you know, it, it, it never really stood out to me. Like, oh, of course, the, the priest has to make it for the first sacrifice for himself because he has sins, mm-hmm. and then it goes to the people. But I thought that is such a powerful thing, mm-hmm. and that's kind of uh, maybe scratching this itch here that people are bringing up. Yeah. Where uh, could you imagine being in the uh, the Old Testament temple where? Yeah, before your priest would ever preach to you or offer the gospel, the sacrifices for you, he would get up there and kill an animal for himself, yeah. making it painfully clear to everyone that I am a sinner. Yep. I'm being transparent about that. I'm being vulnerable about that. I had sins this time mm-hmm. that need atone for, that yeah. need death for. Yep. And uh, there's no, there's no comments no judgments yeah, there's yeah. it's just the way it is and uh, i wonder if there's some kind of element of that that um, could be um, incorporated or even remembered in um, churches today yeah about the pastor um, about people knowing that the pastor is a sinner just like them yeah you know and so just a couple of these real quick yeah. it says i wish my pastor knew it's okay to not be okay um, I wish my pastor knew he is human. It doesn't have to be all things, all people. I miss when he know we give him grace and not judgment. I wish he knew it's better to be real, transparent, and vulnerable. Whoever wrote this, I would say that's great stuff. Have you gone to the pastors and told them this stuff? Mm. To me, that's the first step, right? Be an advocate for your pastor. Mm-hmm. If this is a, a church that you believe that is of God, of mm-hmm. Christ, and you believe that the leadership has been called by God to shepherd the flock that mm-hmm. you're part of, then number one, you go and make sure that the pastoral staff knows this mm-hmm. coming from you. And then number two, be an advocate for them amongst the people that you know that you're in relationship with in the church. So your mm-hmm. small group where mm-hmm. you serve, be sharing these thoughts with those people, right? And then and, and then encourage them to share it with other people in groups and stuff that they're in because now we can be doing the, the, the staff a great service by us understanding and knowing these things about them and then encourage them to go tell the pastor as well, because, you know, this would be for the next survey, mm-hmm. but, but I believe I'm not a pastor of a church, but if I was, I'd be scared, man. I wouldn't want to really offend nobody. I really wouldn't want, I feel like there's weight on me of maybe even the person's salvation, which mm-hmm. isn't true, but I would feel the weight of that. Like if I'm leading someone farther away from Christ than to Christ, that's a responsibility. <clears throat> that's somebody's eternal eternity <clears throat> that I'm yeah, dealing with. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so there's weight. So you can help them mm-hmm. by encouraging them, sharing these thoughts with them and then letting them know, Hey, other brothers and sisters I'm around, like I'm letting this stuff, them know this stuff about you that I mm-hmm. know. And I, I think they'd be appreciative. I mean, you were a pastor mm-hmm. of a church. Would you be appreciative if, if people came to you in the congregation and told you this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like we believe, pastor, like yeah. it's okay if you're not okay. Yeah. Like we ain't going to pass judgment yeah. on you. We got grace for you. Like that would, yeah. 
Like to me, it's amazing how culturally kind of we've evolved to this place too, because I mean, I haven't been a pastor for almost 10 years and that would have been a shock to hear that kind of thing (laughs) at Mm, that time. Um, But, but that's great to hear it now from people. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, maybe before we get to the last ones that I want to cover, I just want to maybe read a, a couple of the ones we got in this week. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, um, let's see. Um, a one person said uh, what it's like, like to have a non-pastoral job. I think we kind of talked about this kind of thing before, um, that they kind of wish the pastor knew what it was like to be out uh, out of the ministry in, in a in a non-ministry job uh, also that he doesn't put extra pressure on giving another one is again to share about struggles life events congregation wants to know that you're a real person they can relate to you here's one that we kind of didn't talk about but don't hide before or after church be mm. friendly and engage with the people before or after church shake hands say hi pastors are so busy after church it's hard to be able to walk up and start a conversation. I want to say anything about that. Yeah, one? yeah. So, um, <clears throat> what it's like to have a non-pastoral job? You know, in a sense, if we're disciples who are supposed to be making disciples, I would say that no matter what secular job you have, look at it as your ministry. Look mm-hmm. at it as your disciple-making mm-hmm. ministry, and start befriending your coworkers with the goal of introducing them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So. I'm saying that in response to what it's like to have a non-pastoral job. Like we know there's struggles, everything they go through mm-hmm. in their secular job. I'm going to say in some variation or some exactness, a pastor's going through it. Mm-hmm. They might not have an unsaved idiot coworker because they mm-hmm. work in a church, but they may have an idiot saved coworker. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're saved. Cause just cause yeah. you uh, saved don't mean you can't be an idiot. Yeah. So yeah. I think that I don't think that's that. And this is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. is that big of a deal, but I think that, um, all of our jobs we should see as a ministry, mm-hmm. even if we're yeah. not a pastor in a church. I think this person is getting at your um, good cake analogy, though. Um, and you're, we were talking more more about cakes and programming, but in general, I think the cake analogy is good here because mm-hmm. when you're a pastor in a church, even if you're just an administrative assistant in a church, you get caught up in the cake mix and like, that's all, you know, mm, all day, okay. all week, yeah, all weekend. Okay. And it, you, you rarely get out of that cake box. Okay. Okay. All um, right. I see that. So. Don't put extra pressure on giving. If people give, they wouldn't have to, <laughs> you know? So, and maybe who wrote this, if you're listening, maybe you do and Maybe you give yeah. even more, right? That's great. And that's between you and God, yep. man, encourage other people to give. Mm. Like I, I blunt like my friends in my inner circle. I ask, man, do you give? Mm. How much do you give? So congregation members asking other congregations. Yeah. That's genius. Yeah, man. Asking people yeah. say, hey, you know this initiative that we trying to yeah. do? Are you giving to that? Yeah. Like ask them. Yeah. If they get offended, say, man, I'm not doing this to offend you. Yeah. But I'm saying we the body. Yeah, yeah. Are you in agreement with? That's what I would yeah. say. You, man, are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. Are you giving to it? Mm-hmm. And any like any reason that. you give not to to me is not valid. I like. That. I don't have enough money. You could, because yeah. I believe that if you are doing what you're supposed to be doing from a financial situation, 
the Lord is going to provide you mm-hmm. to provide for his body. And the only reason the pastor has to keep asking is because people maybe, ain't giving. Maybe, and maybe, maybe we're not asking each other. Yeah, like we need said. to be encouraged. Like it that. ain't always the pastor's job to do everything. Yeah. That's the way I look yeah. at it. But that comes from training and teaching mm-hmm. and equipping. Mm-hmm. To me, if I'm a leadership in the church, I'm going to be, you can always identify people that are wanting to do more, that mm-hmm. are more spiritually mature, that have equippings and mm-hmm. giftings in other areas that's, more care than mm-hmm. it is just being mm-hmm. cared for. And I'd be gathering yeah. people and I'd be equipping yeah. them and I'd send them out as agents yeah. within the congregation to help me do my job. Yeah. And it's really our job to God. So why not try and equip them? So now I don't want to be up there talking about it. You don't want me talking about it. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Let's end on this positive note here. What are we done? Yeah, I think I think we're at okay, think we're all at right. time. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, the, and the positive note is we got three here uh, for the pastor that have a different feel to them. First one is is that, so this is something that a congregation member wish their pastor knew. One, that he is loved and appreciated by his flock. Mm. Two, that his calling as a shepherd of the sheep is of utmost importance. And then three, he is not alone in his trials because members of the church uh, care and are praying for him. So I think that's that's amazing stuff, man. That's wonderful for a pastor to know. And there's, uh, and I know all of these have been mainly the other direction, but I bet there's many, many more people who feel this same way about about their pastors. Yeah, I mean, I feel this way yep. about about my pastors. I just want them to know that they're loved and appreciated. For all the work they do, the sacrifices that they do, yeah. the behind-the-scenes things that nobody sees, the confessions that they make that nobody hears, yeah, 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 and the mistakes that they make, um, you're loved and appreciated, and then that your calling as a, sh- a shepherd of the sheep is of utmost importance. Yeah, and I think that's probably why people get so passionate about these and can speak so, I guess, strongly and candidly because it is an important thing. Yeah, I mean, people look up to, to the, the leaders in the church, the pastors, and they love them and they want to be loved back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they can, it's, can, they can feel like it's a one-sided thing. Like we're doing what you asked us to do, but like we don't even know you. Mm-hmm. We don't even get Wait, no time. Wait, who's the we in those cases? Congregation. Okay. Yeah, we don't even really know you. Yeah. You know, if you were privileged to be a part of the beginning of the church or you've been there 40 mm-hmm. years, then yeah, you kind of been there, done that. But as new people come in and they start looking to your leadership and and adhering to what you're asking mm-hmm. them to do, like we're humans, right? And again, if you're going to be preaching, have a relationship with Jesus, how can you preach that but feel okay with not having a relationship mm-hmm. with the people in your body, right? Mm-hmm. My left hand knows my right hand. Yeah. Like they, they touch often. Yeah. You know what I mean? There ain't no part of my body really, maybe the middle of my back is not touched by my hands. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, if we're the body... Right. And I'm caring for my body. My body is connected. It's a mm-hmm. relationship to one another. Why couldn't the body of Christ in a church be that way mm-hmm. where we can know each other? Mm-hmm. I like that. And then the last one, he's not alone in his trials because member of the church care and are praying for him. Do you see that in the in in church? No, today? I mean, no, I don't, because I mean, the only way I see it is the person has to go tell them. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to know that unless somebody come tell me, mm-hmm. man, you ain't alone. I got your back. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of times a person may not think to say that mm-hmm. 
if you haven't put anything out there. So it's like kind of like okay. one has to come first before yeah. the other thing. Yeah. If I say, man, I'm struggling with this. Y'all I need your prayer as a and pastor. The, if you yeah. say that. And yeah. then the person in the congregation come up and say, hey, man, I feel you. You know, yeah. I've been there, done, man. I'm praying for yeah. you. You know, that's when that's a relationship mm. right there. You know, what I mean, it's not a one sided transaction mm. where I'm giving you something to go think about and mm. do. And then I go hide like one of the things mm-hmm. said, you know, I run off and you can't even find me mm-hmm. after service. Like that's not a relationship. So a lot of this comes down to what you like to say often is that um, who who goes first? Yeah. Who goes first? Yeah. Yep. And I think the pastor needs to go first. Mm-hmm. It's always on the leader to be the. How can you want somebody to do something if you're not going to go mm-hmm. first? Could sometimes a congregation member go first? Sure, they can. Sharing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. they can. You don't have to wait on the pastor to do it. You do it yourself. Yeah. You be the leader in that situation. Yeah. You go first, but yeah. you don't have the the presence on stage that a pastor yeah. does, yeah. so that people can see you do it. Right. Yeah. But if you get a, a opportunity to do so, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Maybe it's put a prayer request out there mm-hmm. that's intimate, mm-hmm. and maybe it's anonymous. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they put their name on it and the pastor reads it from stage or something or sends an email out to everyone. And then they see that reaction. They may think, wow, like they didn't take that too bad. Like maybe I ought to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's a different position, right? Yeah. A congregate doing it versus the leader. Mm-hmm. Now you're scared of judgment if you're the pastor. Mm-hmm. People going to stop coming to my church. Mm-hmm. They're going to jump out of the, the oven before the cake gets baked. And now there's less butts in the seat. There's less money given. There's okay. less things this is being a, done. We're getting into the next episode. Yeah, but yeah so anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no. But um, so the next time we're going to, and the survey's out there now on our website, um, bumperstickerfaith.com slash survey. Yes. And if you go there, you can find the survey that says, things that pastors wish their congregation members knew. So we're going to flip it around. So if you are a pastor, please go fill that out for us. It is completely anonymous. You don't have to put your name, your email, nothing. So you can just be honest with that. And, uh, or if you know a pastor, um, send Send it. it. Hey, you're a congregation, you're a person congregation, send a survey to your pastor. Right. So if you watch or listen to this, help us out. Send it to your pastor. Yeah. If we got 50 people watching this at different churches, that's 50 yeah, pastors, yeah. maybe, plus the ones that yeah. we know. And the feedback that we can get from that, maybe we'll see like an overarching theme with the pastoral responses, yep, too. Yep. And we'll be able to kind of put those together and yeah. come up with some good. And it'll probably answer some of these things at the congregation. Yes. Right yes. Yeah. So as we close, man, thank you again for tuning in. And I, I, I kind of I don't know if you listen to that. um um, the Rise yes. and Fall of Mars Hill yes. podcast, but I feel like I hear King's Kaleidoscope music <laughs> playing in the back of my mind. So, so <laughs> if, you, if you're musically inclined and you want to like hook us up with a jingle or some kind of tune that we can play in the beginning and the end, like Sam will put it on oh, here. Yeah, you I'll, put it on. I'll, I'll put that yeah, on so there. so help brother out, man. And if you're part of King's Kaleidoscope, <laughs> shout out to you and your music, man. I listen to yeah. some of the tracks, man. It's nice. And maybe you want to hook us up with something, you know. I don't know. We just some peons. But but um, thank you guys for tuning in. It's been a blessing. We hope yeah. this has been value. Check us out on our um, podcast, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, iTunes, wherever um, podcast mm-hmm. um, account you listen to. Check us out. Pass it along. Until we see you again, take care and don't step in no BS. All right. God Peace. bless. Peace.